Hello everyone, my name is Joshua Gilliland, attorney blogger on Bowtie Law. December 30th, 2018 marks the 10th anniversary of my blog. To honor the occasion, I am relaunching my podcast on electronic discovery. First up is a case that came out on December 26, 2018. It is Ecaveria v. Roach, 2018, U.S. Lexus. Uh, 216021, and it's a fascinating case where the legal analysis focusing on Rule 34B2E merges analysis on the subsections I and II. Let's jump in and talk about what happened. The case is a civil rights and tort claims uh, action against local government and police where the plaintiff had been wrongly incarcerated for over 20 years for a crime he apparently didn't commit. A discovery dispute broke out between the parties. The plaintiff produced some uh, apparently electronic discovery and the uh, defendants took issue with it. So what happened? The production included a cover email that did not state what the production contained. There was no metadata attached to what was produced and there was no information about where the discovery came from. So it's a little hard to figure out if this was in native file format, if this was ESI converted to PDFs. We don't know because the opinion doesn't say so. Uh, the case was before US District Judge Allison Burroughs and she took a, a healthy dive into Rule 34B2E and surrounding case law. As a preliminary manner, uh, with documents, a party may elect to produce documents as they are kept in the usual course of business, or must organize and label them to correspond to the categories in the request. That's subsection I, and that you know, pertains to documents, but there's a caveat we'll get into. Uh, the judge further explained that the usual course of business uh, is only available when the document's natural organization makes finding critical documents reasonably possible. This is where things focus on paper but suddenly turn into ESI. It is the burden of the producing party to show that the natural organization does indeed make finding documents reasonably possible. This burden has to be met for email productions by producing productions with complete families. You can't break up parents and children that are organized chronologically by custodian or by producing metadata that allows automated sorting. Uh, that's native file format, uh, or perhaps with enough metadata that it could be in a review application that you could search for. Uh, on the flip side, ESI that is not metadata, so loose files can be produced with metadata showing the custodian and the location of the storage which could be the file system pathway, so you could see where it was on a drive or how it was mapped to a specific computer. Uh, the court held that the plaintiff failed to show that the production had a natural organization that made finding critical documents reasonably possible. The court ordered that if the documents were produced without metadata or other identifying information, the producing party must include in the production where the documents were collected from and identify what requests the documents were responsive to. Uh, if there were any non-conforming productions that, that existed, they had to be amended. All right, this case gets it right, even though they're focusing on the wrong subsection. And here's here my thoughts on it. Documents and ESI are two different things. That's why we have rule 34B2I and II. Documents must be produced in the usual course of business 
or must uh, be labeled uh, to correspond to to correspond to the categories in the requests. Rule 34B2II specifically uh, pertains to ESI when a requesting party does not state the form production, which then requires the uh, producing party to produce ESI in a form or forms in which it is ordinarily maintained or a reasonably usable form. That's native file format or something that's usable. And there are, there are big caveats to that. There is a difference between what documents can mean in a request for production and analysis for form production, even though both are linked, they're joined at the hip. Now, the advisory committee notes to the 2006 amendments to the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure state that a Rule 34 request for production should be understood to encompass and response should include electronically stored information unless discovery in the action has clearly distinguished between electronically stored information and documents. And that's Landry v. Uh, Spire Oilfield Services, uh, and that is from uh, 2018 U.S. District Lexus 885 uh, at 64 to 60, excuse me, 62 to 64. And that's from uh, the uh, January 3rd of 2018. There's over a decade of case law saying that you just can't degrade searchability. So the games of converting ESI to PDFs shouldn't be done. So even though this case focused on the wrong subsection, it still got the right result. Now, we don't know what the form was in this case. If, if we were dealing with ESI or if it was something else, if this was scanned paper. I mean, this case went back to the 90s when the, you know, the plaintiff was incarcerated. How much ESI was he sending out afterwards after he got out? So there's, there's some questions there that this case clearly should have both documents and electronically stored information, but it gets sloppy in its application of both of these rules. So that being said, it's a fun little opinion. The analysis is good, even though it, it merges two different subsections, and it just highlights some of the pitfalls in electronically stored information in discovery. So with that, it's good to be back. If you've been reading the blog since December 30th, 2008, thank you for being on this journey and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you and take care.